Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Can you please turn to Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Before we jump into the verses here, I just want to give a little bit of a background on the prophet Jeremiah. Some of you may or may not know uh, what, what his story is. And it's a pretty interesting story as a prophet of God. Um, he actually was a prophet during the final days of the nation of Judah before it went into um, uh, slavery with the uh, country of Babylon. And his ministry lasted for about 40 years. And during that time, God had repeatedly warned Israel to stop their idolatrous behavior, but they wouldn't listen. They were stubborn. And the call of Jeremiah into ministry is a very interesting call. And it's recorded at the beginning of this book. It says in uh, chapter 1, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, Jeremiah says, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah has been called the weeping prophet. One of the reasons I believe that he was called the weeping prophet is because of the nature of this calling. As you could see there from his calling, it was a very difficult ministry. So he was called by God to preach an unpopular message to the people. And it was a message of judgment. It was a message of judgment on the nation for its disobedience and its rebellion against God. He was called to the task of announcing actually the destruction of Judah and proclaim sort of the end of this era. But just like today, people don't want to hear this kind of message. They don't want to hear a message of judgment. They prefer to hear pleasant things even if they're not true. People don't want to hear the truth as it relates to obedience and yielding to God about maybe laying aside our own wants and desires and focusing on what God wants. Another reason he was probably called the weeping prophet is because he looked over the land and the nation and he saw that they were in rebellion against God. And that God would not strive with them forever. That eventually, He would have to discipline them for their sin. And He wept. Jeremiah wept for the nation. 
It reminds me of Jesus' response when he looked out and he saw the state of Jerusalem and their refusal to submit to him and to be saved. Jesus says in Matthew twenty three thirty seven, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And what? And you were not willing. You were not willing. You can hear the heart of our Lord in that verse. You can hear just His heart for the people. His pleading with them to come back to Him. And Jeremiah was faithful to deliver the message that God had given him. Even though in 40 years of ministry, he really saw no repentance among the people. Now imagine that. It's awesome when we are here and we're, we're preaching the Word and someone comes forward to receive the Lord. It just it, it brightens our day up. It's the best thing that could happen because we feel like the Lord is working in this place. But in all the time that Jeremiah preached, he never saw any success. The, the other prophets, at least, there was some measure of success in their ministry, but not Jeremiah. And then we see in some parts of this book where it's spoken of his discouragement. And his, he was disheartened because of that. Yet despite all of that, he remained faithful to his mission. And God was faithful. God was faithful to Jeremiah. And he gave him many illustrations to use to bring the word to the people. Things that they would understand. Things that were common to the people in that day. In a way that they should have been able to understand. And the passage that we're going to read today and we're going to study is one of those illustrations. So in Matthew 18, we'll begin in verse 1. The, Lord, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So get the scene here. In that time, every town or village had a potter. And this craftsman would provide the people with a lot of the common daily implements of, for, for their life, cups, bowls, vases, pitchers, etc. So people would pass by in the village square probably and see the potter at work every day. They would watch him shaping and molding and creating. And this would have been a very familiar sight to the people. Not like today where we go to a store and we buy a vase or, or a cup or... Uh, or a pitcher. It's not the same. We actually, they actually saw him creating these things. 
primitive potter's wheels would be made of stone. And later, they might have been made of stone or wood. And the potter would sit before these two stones. They were joined by a shaft. And he would turn the bottom stone and it would in turn turn the top stone. He would put the clay on the top and he would start to work the clay. Now you might have seen modern potter's wheels and they pretty much are the same design. A lot of them today are motorized, but they did it by um, manually back then. And still a lot of potters like to do it manually today too. So in order to fully appreciate the illustration that that God gave Jeremiah and that I want to bring to you folks today, it's helpful to understand some of the techniques that the potter would use in his craft. So before the potter could actually create anything, he has to prepare the clay. So it comes like this, and it's just a lump of clay. And he's got to do something with it. He must knead the clay and he has to rid it of any impurities or air because this is a natural substance. And he, what they call, wedges the clay. He forces it with his hands onto a hard surface. He pulls and pushes it against itself. He may cut it in half and slam the two pieces together. And then he'll throw it down in order to force out all the air bubbles. This is the preparation for the clay. This is just the preparation. This is a very, very important step. Before it becomes anything of use, this is what the potter has to do. And when he's ready, when he feels that the clay is is ready, he'll sit down at the wheel and he'll have a, a pail of water next to him and he'll start to work on the clay. What he'll do next is something very interesting. It's called centering, centering the clay. And this is, this is also a very, very important step because he takes the mound of clay that he's worked, he's taken all the impurities out of it, all of the air bubbles out of it, and now he puts it in the, in the wheel and he has to make sure that it's centered. You can imagine if this clay was off-center, it would kind of start to wobble and he wouldn't be able to work it and create the thing that he wanted to create. So it's called centering. And then he begins to master the clay. And he makes the clay responsive to his touch. He'll apply apply pressure at different times and in different places on the clay. And he'll cause it to rise up maybe into a cone. And then he'll press down the top of the clay with his fingers. And this is doing a very important thing. It's not only increasing the flexibility of the clay, but it's also increasing its strength. And then what the potter will do is he'll start to open the clay. He'll start to open it. And this is actually the beginning of him forming the clay into what his finished product is. Remember, all the time he has this in his mind, what he wants to create. So he'll press his fingers down into the mound of clay and he'll give it more or less pressure as he moves his hands up and down that cylinder of clay. He applies just the right amount of pressure in order to make the walls of the clay even all the way around. Notice how the potter's hands 
surround the clay with precision and with care. And finally, he's going to shape the clay. He's going to pull the clay as he fashions that final product, whatever he wants to create, whether it's a vase or a cup or a mug or a bowl, whatever he decides to make. Now, it's interesting if you think about what I just said. I used a lot of various terms to describe what the potter does. And those are actual terms that they use. You've heard me talk about kneading, wedging, throwing, pulling, forcing, centering, and mastering the clay. You've heard me talk about opening the clay. All the while, the potter having something in his mind, thinking about what he wants to create. And all of these terms kind of give us the impression that the clay isn't very easy to work with, right? Because it sounds like he's got to do a lot of work on getting the clay to respond. If you come up here, if you want, afterwards you can feel this clay. It's pretty pliable, pretty soft, but it's still not that easy to work with. Sometimes the potter actually will have to crush the clay down and he'll have to start all over again to remove maybe a tiny stone that was in that clay ball that he didn't get out when he was preparing the clay. Jeremiah 18 tells us that God is the potter and he's having trouble at his wheel because his people refuse to obey his voice. And if you think about it, we're really not that much different than, than those people back then. God is always trying to lead us, but sometimes we would rather go our own direction, go our own way. Sometimes we can be difficult. Sometimes we can be stubborn, can't we? Now remember, the potter's wheel is a very familiar sight. People could watch this process going on dozens of times throughout any given week. And the Lord told Jeremiah, use this illustration to teach the people that God is the potter and that we are the clay. And God has a beautiful finished product already planned for each and every one of us, even before we were born. It says in Psalm 139, For you formed my inward parts, You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, just like a blob of clay. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Before we were even born, God knew. He had a plan and a purpose for each and every person. Before we came into being, God knew what the finished product was going to look like. God's the potter. We're the clay. 
The wheel is our life. And the water is the influence of the Holy Spirit in each of the lives of those who are submitted to Him. This is what makes us flexible. This is what makes us pliable, workable, moldable in the potter's hands. And as he embraces the clay, as the potter applies pressure, more or less as needed, it starts to become the shape that he desires. Anyone who's worked with clay knows that, uh, that as you do apply, apply pressure in varying degrees and adjust the position of your hands, the clay actually starts to respond to your touch. It starts to go in the direction that you want it to. And then you don't have to apply so much pressure. You can actually lighten the touch and the clay will start to continue to respond to you because it isn't resisting any longer. You know, we, we sung about being still. There's, there's also a part in making pots that the clay has to get to a point of rest, a point of stillness, where it's no longer resisting the potter's hands. And sometimes during that process of creating what he wants, the potter will have to dig deep down into the vessel and he'll have to scoop out maybe some excess clay, pulling out all that stuff that doesn't belong. As it relates to God, he knows. He knows what needs to be removed from our lives in order for us to become what he intends us to be. And as we yield to him, he begins that process of removing all the gunk from deep inside our hearts. Those ugly things, those ungodly habits, those ungodly attitudes. And we start to become more and more like what he designed us to be and created us to be. I hope you're getting the picture here of this beautiful illustration God had, to, had a word for Jeremiah, but he wanted to give him a visual also. You know, it's no different thousands of years ago than it is for today. We're visual people. We tend to respond and react better to those things that we can see with our eyes. And God knows that. He knows that about humanity. So he gave Jeremiah this profound lesson, profound lesson that's really an everyday experience, a common thing that they saw every single day, but it has a very valuable spiritual lesson. So, in Jeremiah 18, verses 1 and 2, it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. So, again, we see here God giving Jeremiah an object lesson. And it tells about the intimacy, the intimate relationship that God wants to have with his people. And in Isaiah, Isaiah writes in, in, in chapter 64, verse 8, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. And we are all the work of your hand. That's how it should be. That's how we should 
be in relationship to God. The New Testament tells us that we are His workmanship. He created us for a purpose, which He's revealing to us and through us as we continually submit to the hands of the potter. He speaks about this intimacy of relationship that God wants to have with all of us. I don't know if you notice how close in some of those videos, how close the potter had to sit to the clay, to the wheel, in order to do the work that he was going to do. That just tells us that God wants to be close with us. Desiring to remain close. You know, I've heard it said that if you feel like God is far away, guess who moved? It's not God. It's always us who moves away from Him. In the Apostle Paul's great sermon to the people of Athens, he tells them of a closeness that they can have with the one true God. Remember, they were worshiping many gods back then, yet they never were close to any of them. He tells them of this unknown God, this one true God. And, and he writes, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. You know, we spoke about those unreached parts of the world. But God puts in each one of us that desire to seek Him. And if we diligently seek Him, we will find Him. Because He's not far from us. In Jeremiah 18, verse 3, it says, Then I went to the potter's house, and there He was making something at the wheel. Making something at the wheel. Jeremiah saw the potter there, but he couldn't really tell what he was making. Maybe it was a jump, just a lump of clay like this. Maybe he was just starting out that process on the wheel and he couldn't tell what it was. Maybe he was midway into what he was creating and he had to then take it off. Or maybe it looked like a vase and then he cut it in half and it became a ball. For some reason, Jeremiah couldn't quite tell what it was. But I think that also tells us that we don't really look like what God wants us to be right now. Aren't we all a work in progress? Aren't we all not quite there yet? Although we may be yielding to Him, we may be seeking Him, the potter knows in his mind what he wants to make, just like God knows what He wants each one of us to look like. But sometimes we're going along in our walk and we're going in one direction and God wants us to go in another direction. So we don't really look like that finished product. We still look like that lump of clay. But then sometimes, sometimes, we're yielding to the Spirit. We're yielding to the influence of of Him in our lives. And we are going in His direction. And we're becoming 
what He wants us to be. And that's how we know. That's how we know that we're yielding to Him. So the potter was forming something out of the clay. But before it's actually worked, it just looks like a lump. It needs to be prepared. And we talked about him just getting all the impurities out of the clay and getting all the air bubbles out of it. And sometimes God has to kind of push us and pull us and put a little pressure on us sometimes to get us to a place that we're even just prepared for him to work in our lives. That preparation can come in a lot of forms. Maybe it's a difficult trial that you're going through. Or maybe there's a twinge of guilt when you're going down a road that you know you shouldn't be going down. Involved in something that you shouldn't be involved in. It could even be the death of a loved one that God is using in your life to bring you closer to Him. But we don't like that process. We don't like the preparation part of our relationship with God. We don't like this. We like this. We don't want to be pushed and pulled and, and pressured. But God is faithful to do what, what needs to be done to get us to the point where He can work in our lives. And maybe today, right here and now, He's doing that in, in somebody's life. Maybe you sense the pressure of God on your life because He wants to do that work. He wants to create a beautiful vessel for Him to use. God tries to reach all of us. The Holy Spirit calls to us in to a relationship with God. Jesus told His disciples after His ascension that the Holy Spirit would come to do the work of drawing men to God and showing us a need for a Savior. He says in John 16, verse 8, And when He has come, meaning the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in each and every person's life even before they're a believer, even before they receive or accept Christ. Just drawing them, convicting you of your need for Him. And you may be there right now and sense God's urging and the pressure for you to come to Him. I think it's also important to understand that that clay is made of the most basic ingredients that you can find on earth. Doesn't that sound familiar? Just as man was created out of the dust of the earth, I mean, there's no really intrinsic value in the elements of clay. Just as there's no intrinsic value in the elements that make us the natural elements that make us up. And, it's, and apart from the hand of the potter, his touch, we're just, a, we're just a lump of clay. But look what happens. In, in the creation account, it's very interesting what we find. We find that the Lord 
God, it says in Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. The basic elements that make up this lump of clay is what you and I have been formed with. But what happened? Something very interesting happened. And it says, and he breathed into his nostrils, what? The breath of life. The breath of life. And man became a living being. He went from this to this. How? By God's breath. Breathing life into man. How awesome that is. When God breathed into Adam's nostrils and became a living being, he became a living being with a soul and with a capacity to love and to obey and to make choices in this world. Adam became, as you became, a person with the ability also to have a relationship with God. Yeah, we're made of just common materials. Naturally, this is all we are. And, in, and even the Apostle Paul speaks about that in 2 Corinthians verse 7 of chapter 4. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Earthen vessels are basically clay pots. Clay pots. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What is Paul trying to tell us here? That it's not about us, it's about God working through us. The glory always goes to God. Back to chapter 18 of Jeremiah in verse 4. It says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to make. The New Living Translation puts it this way, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. It didn't turn out as he hoped. Jeremiah watched the potter crush the clay down. Because why? Because it was being uncooperative. It wasn't because the potter made a mistake, but because the clay refused to submit. But notice, the potter didn't abandon the clay. He crushed it down, he recentered the clay, and he started forming it again into what he wanted. God does not make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. But we can resist his hand upon our lives. And God doesn't abandon us. He'll never leave us or forsake us, the Bible says. Even if we become uncooperative or stubborn, He'll gently try to recenter us or refocus us on His plan. And notice that it was a vessel that seemed good for the potter to make. That seemed good for the potter to make. It's always His choice. It's always His way. Ultimately, God's plan is always best for us. And even as Christians, we can resist the potter's hand upon our lives. But it's a dangerous road to go down. 
because eventually He will confirm in us the direction we choose to take. Eventually, we will go down that road and then He will confirm that decision in us. In Romans 9, 21, it says, Does not the potter have the power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for, for honor and another for dishonor? And then in 2 Timothy verse 20 and 21 of chapter 2, it says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. But watch. He says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, meaning the dishonor, or not following God, if anyone cleanses himself from the things of this world, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the Master, prepared for every good work. Praise the Lord that He can use us when we submit, when we stop resisting His touch upon our lives. He will set us apart. He will set us apart to be used by Him. That's what that word sanctified means. Just as you would set apart your good china to use on special occasions. He sets you apart as you yield to Him to be used for His work in this world. To bless others and to glorify God. And then in verse 5 and 6 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. God is now pleading with the nation to allow Him to be their Lord. He's lovingly calling them back from their rebellion. He wanted to mold them. He wanted to shape them. And He desires to do the same with each and every person. So as we make application, which we always do, and you know, Things haven't changed. God gives a message and He gives an illustration and an application with that message. It's important for us to make application to our lives. What does this mean for us? As we're kind of spinning on this wheel called life and we need direction and we need guidance from God. Sometimes we're doing really well. Sometimes we're yielding to the Spirit. Sometimes we're allowing Him to mold us and to shape us, but other times we're just stubborn and resistant and we're rebellious. And sometimes we're spiritually dry. You know, if I opened up this bag, which is why I have it in a bag, if I opened this bag up and let the clay just sit here, it wouldn't take long for it to just dry out. Sometimes we are spiritually dry and we need to be washed in the water of the Word of God as we yield to His Spirit and allow His Word to direct us. His Word to lead us. And sometimes there's habitual sin in our life that God needs to remove, to take out. And then sometimes He has to just 
crush us down. And we sense that pressure. We sense God's disappointment. And then He'll recenter us as we yield, refocusing on Him as the master potter in our lives. Bible says that He who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you still look like this lump of clay, that's all right. You're a, we're all a work in progress. But He promises to complete it. He promises that whatever He has in mind for us, we will become as we yield to His Spirit. Just like this blob of clay doesn't re- resemble this beautiful vase over here. But remember that the potter sees the finished product. God sees us already complete. God doesn't see us like this in Christ. He sees us complete in Jesus because we've accepted Christ's sacrifice as payment for our sin. We know that we can't do it on our own. That we need God. I'm going to read a poem here. I'm going to put it up on the, on the screen too that I, that I found, which is really a v- very interesting way of looking at it. And it's called, When God Wants to Drill a Man. When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man then that all the world shall be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects, how he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay which only God understands while his tortured heart is crying and he lifts his beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks when, when his good he undertakes, how he uses whom he chooses and which every purpose fuses him by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. And he knows what you're about. He knows what I'm about. He knows what we each need to be made into that beautiful creation that He has for us, to do the beautiful work that He wants for each and every one of us to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.